Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. I don't care what the public reaction is as long as I'm sure I'm right. Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold and written by Gene Holloway. Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who lived in the White House, dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. We'll bring you Edward Arnold as Mr. President in just a moment. But first, let's get a little philosophical on the subject of character in our presidents. You know, all Americans grow up with the idea that they might be president someday, and why not? Our presidents have come from every environment, rich, aristocratic like Washington, poor, self-educated like Lincoln. They've been lawyers and farmers, warriors, school teachers. Teddy Roosevelt was bluff and hearty. Wilson, a quiet, scholarly type. They had personality. They were all men who captured the public imagination in one way or another. A sense of responsibility. Certainly in a time of emergency, the country needed a man who could step in and assume leadership. Think about it. Could you be a Jackson or a Monroe? Let's learn more about it by listening to today's story of Mr. President and see if you can name the president on whom this episode is based. The president was a man of peace, a man of gentleness and nobility of spirit, desiring only that he should help secure the doctrines of our fathers for the generations to follow. The thought of war was abhorrent to him, and yet he had been forced to declare war. But now the war had been won, and the problems that follow war remained to be faced. Mr. President, as you know, I have no right to be here And no one must ever know that I have been here. I understand. With your permission, I am not even going to tell you my name. As a matter of fact, my name is not important. Let me be one Spanish voice speaking for other Spaniards who do not believe in the policy the homeland has adopted in Cuba and the Philippines. Well, if there are others who believe as you do, why don't you contact your own government? Oh, Mr. President, in my country, one does not contact the government about its injustices. We have seen what happens to those who do. You are living in a democracy. You have perhaps forgotten, or perhaps you do not know what it can be to live in a monarchy. Mm, But the people dictate the policies of the government. They can even in a monarchy. It is hard to shout above a firing squad, Mr. President. You're quite right, you're quite right. It is hard. I'm afraid I'm more idealistic than practical. Uh, Tell me, what do you think uh, I can do about your government? There is nothing you can do about the government at home. 
But there is a great deal you can do about the Philippines. What do you mean? May I ask what you intend to do about them? You are asking me a question that has to do with very important state matters. You have no credentials. You have absolutely no right to ask us such a question. No, I have not. But let me tell you why I ask it. I spent many years in the Philippines. I grew to know the people and to love them. I married there. I saw what happened under the Spanish domination. I believe there is only one hope for the Philippines, and that is if they are taken over by the United States. Taken over by the United States? Mr. President, you know the riches of the islands. They are considered a great prize. The Filipinos must not be in the hands of people who will exploit them. There are about 25 tribes of people. Those tribes are of three races. The Negrito, the Indonesian, and the Malayan. Some warlike because they have been ill-used, but most of them are peaceful, gentle people. They need guidance and help. In this country, you know what it is to be free. I beg of you, help those people to know what it is too. Are you asking them that the United States ask for freedom for the Philippines? No, people must be educated for freedom. If you give it to them without any preparation, they will not know how to handle it. The tribes must be brought together. They must become a nation. Oh, that will not be a, an easy thing to accomplish. They can do. They will do it themselves with guidance and help. But if you let Spain maintain her authority over them, they will never survive. If the freedom and liberty of mankind is as sacred in America as Americans say it is, then only from this country is there hope for the people in the Philippines. I have a meeting this evening to discuss the terms of the peace treaty. I will think over what you have said most carefully. And since you seem most sincere and honest, I will tell you quite frankly and confidentially that we intend to relinquish all of the Philippine islands to Spain except sufficient ground for a naval station. Oh, Mr. President, I, please, I beg of you, reconsider. I, I believe there is no chance of survival for the people of the islands except in the hands of the United States. I will think this all over most carefully. That is the most I can promise you. It is all that I ask. Goodbye, Mr. President. I do not suppose that we will ever meet again, but I will not forget that you were kind enough to listen. And somehow I am confident that you will help. May I not talk with you again? No, I am sailing for the islands tomorrow. I arrived only today, but I do not dare leave my family alone one hour more than is necessary. Good night, Mr. President. This has been a great honor. Good night, and thank you for coming. Mr. President, Secretary Hay is in the study waiting to see you. Oh, my dear, how nice it is to see you downstairs. Are you feeling better? Much better, thank you, dear. I'm going to have dinner down here with you. Oh, that's splendid, splendid. Well, I'll go in and see Secretary Hay. I have a lot of things to talk over with him. <laughs> Mr. President, have you thought what it'll mean to you politically if you should attempt to take over the Philippines? No, I haven't. It never occurred to me for one moment, John, that the problem involved was what would such an action mean to me politically? Well, may I tell you? Of course. 
There are many people who will say that your course is contrary to everything America stands for, that you are reversing the accepted policy of our country that has been the measuring rod since the beginning of our history. And they'll say you're placing the United States in a position where, in the eyes of the rest of the world, she will look as selfish and greedy as any of the European countries that have seized territory. Yes, I can see how that could be said. But it will not be true. Spain will fight tooth and nail to keep the Philippines. She can hardly fight tooth and nail. She's already lost the war. Well, her statesmen can still fight. They'll say that we're taking advantage of it. She took advantage of the Philippines. Be condemned by every European power. I don't doubt it. And they will all be the powers that want the Philippines themselves. You sound as though you'd already made up your mind. No, I haven't made up my mind. It's going to take me a great deal of thought before I do make it up. Tell me, have we received any new communications this evening from the Peace Commission in Paris? No, we haven't. Of course, they will be completely unprepared for my change of attitude if I do change. Mr. President, as your Secretary of State, let me urge you to think of the possible results at home and abroad of a move like this. Think of the reactions of what people say if it... John, I am not concerned with any of those things. You're not concerned with any of those things? No, the only thing that concerns me is what is the right thing to do. I don't care what public reaction is, as long as I'm sure I am right. That's my whole problem, John. What is the right thing? What is the right thing? Mr. President, it's two o'clock. You've been walking up and down for hours. I'm sorry, my dear. Have I disturbed you? No, no, I'm not disturbed. But I do think you should get some sleep. If I could only make up my mind. You will. My goodness, the way you've been walking up and down thinking, something must come of it. I've talked to so many people. I've gone to everyone I can think of for counsel, and nowhere have I been able to get any help. Then why don't you try prayer? Prayer? Yes? The chief engineer of the War Department is here, Mr. President. Oh, I'll send him right in, won't you? You can go in, sir. Good morning, Mr. President. Good morning. I understand that you are the man that makes the maps. Well, I ordered them made, Mr. President. I see. Then you're the man I want to see, all right. Do you see that map of the United States on the wall there? Yes, sir. Put the Philippine Islands on the map of the United States. What did... What did you say, Mr. President? There they are, right there. That little dot, do you see them? Yes, sir, I see them all right. I want them put on the map of the United States because that's where they're going to be and that's where they're going to stay as long as I am President of the United States. Mr. President, I have word from the Commission. The Spanish are saying everything about us that I warned you they might say. Well, we have broad shoulders in this country. Trouble in the Senate and in the House, too. You've chosen a hard road to hold. John, I know I have. I can't tell you how many nights I've spent walking up and down in this office trying to decide what was the right thing to do. 
And I'm not ashamed to tell you that finally I went down on my knees and prayed Almighty God for light and guidance. And at last it came to me. These things came to me. That it would be cowardly and dishonest to turn the Philippines back to Spain. That it would be bad business and discreditable to let them be turned over to any of the other European powers and that we could not leave them to themselves as they are not yet ready for self-government. Well, I can't deny those points. They all make sense, but um, I think we're going to have trouble getting that treaty ratified in this country, even if we can get it agreed on by the Peace Commission in Paris. Then we'll fight, John. We'll fight the same way we first, uh, the first of our fathers that came to this country for it. Uh, we'll be fighting for the same things, for man's rights and man's freedoms, and man's self-respect and integrity. We're going to educate the Filipinos and help them in every way we can. That's the American thing to do and the Christian thing to do. And all, by all that's holy, it's the right thing to do. If it means a fight, we'll win because we know how to fight and win this kind of a fight. We wouldn't be here if we didn't. Are you with me, John? I'm with you, Mr. President. Come in. Here is the map, Mr. President. Oh, thank you. There you are, John. Take a look at that. Now, there's the United States, and there's the Philippine Islands. How does that look to you? Looks to me as though that's the way it's going to stay, Mr. President. It is the way it's going to stay, no matter what Spain says, no matter what Europe says, no matter what Congress says. That's what's right, and that's the way it's going to stay on the maps. The Philippines are part of the United States until they're educated and strong enough and ready enough to form their own republic. In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. The better we produce, the better we live has always been the basis of the American economic system, the reason our people have worked hard in their jobs and businesses. However, our economic system has been the subject of many attacks lately by other countries. Some people tend quickly to forget the vast benefits America's economic system has brought them. That's why each one of us should make it his duty to understand this system. Let's not be misled. Let's learn the truth about our economic system. You can write for a free booklet, The Miracle of America, which explains clearly and simply how, by working together, a still better living can be had for all. Address Box 10, Times Square Station, New York City, and ask for your copy. It's our job as Americans to know these facts. Now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Well, have you guessed who the president was when all this happened? It really did happen, so listen closely. Secretary Hay was right. There was a storm of protest regarding the president's action. The commission in Paris did their best to change the president's mind, but on October the 8th, the president had Secretary Hay telegraph the commission. The sentiment in the United States is almost universal that the people of the Philippines, whatever else is done, must be liberated from Spanish domination. Consequently, grave as are the responsibilities and unforeseen as are the difficulties which are before us, the president 
can see but one plain path of duty, the acceptance of the islands. The president has given to the views of the commissioners the fullest consideration, and in reaching the conclusion above announced, he has been influenced by the single consideration of duty and humanity. You are therefore instructed to insist upon the cession of the whole of the Philippines, and if necessary, pay to Spain $10 million to $20 million. And so the treaty was made and came to the Senate for ratification. Some of the senators were in favor of it. The United States is a nation and as such is entitled to possess the inherent sovereign power to acquire territory. And in the right to acquire is found the right to govern territory. Yes, some of the senators were in favor of the treaty and some were against it. Gentlemen of the Senate, one of the foundations of our government depends on the doctrine of government with the consent of the governed. To attempt to govern a people without their consent is contrary to the letter and the spirit of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. By day and by night, the arguments went on. We are not taking anything from the Philippines. We are going to see that they have the same rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that we have ourselves. Gentlemen of the Senate, suppose we reject the treaty that will hand the islands back to Spain. And at the same time, we repudiate the president and his action before the whole world. And the repudiation of the president in such a matter as this is, to my mind, brands us a people incapable of great affairs or of taking rank where we belong as one of the greatest of the great world powers. The president cannot be sent back across the Atlantic in the person of his commissioners hat in hand to say to Spain, I am here in obedience to the mandate of a minority of one-third of the Senate to tell you that we have been too victorious and that you have yielded us too much and that I'm very sorry I took the Philippines from you. I do not think that any American president would do that or that any American would wish him to. And so the president won his point and the love and admiration of his people seemed without bounds and perhaps was exceeded only by the love and admiration of his wife. I've been reading about things in the Philippines. They certainly seem to be accomplishing wonders in a very short time. Yes, yes. One of the things I shall always be happy about is in being able to help the Philippine Islands on their way towards the future. It certainly was a hard fight, though. Do you remember the night that Spanish boy came and talked to you? I used to look at you in the days that followed and marvel at the way you were able to keep your temper. <laughs> I didn't keep it. <laughs> I lost it several times. <laughs> I just didn't let anyone see me when I did. <laughs> do you know you're a very wonderful man, Mr. President? And do you know you're a prejudiced woman? <laughs> but thank God you are. Well, come on now. The carriage is waiting and we'll never get to Buffalo at this rate. It's hard to believe we're really going to have a holiday. Yeah, I want to recite my speech for the exposition to you on the journey. I want to be sure I'm saying everything I want to say. I want to make a good, good impression in Buffalo. You'll make a good impression, Mr. President. Buffalo will love you and remember you like every other city you've ever visited. <laughs> My dear, I'm going to the reception now. Are you sure you want to stay here and rest? Yes, I... 
I'm tired after the journey. Are you going to say anything about how well things are going in the Philippines? Oh, I probably will. I can't seem to keep that out of my speeches any more than a father can keep from talking about a child he's proud of. Now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just have a good rest, and then I'll come back and we'll have dinner. Hmm? Just the two of us, shall we? Yes, I'd like that. Goodbye, my dear. Mr. President. Yes, dear. Would you kiss me goodbye again? Why, of course, my dear. I suppose you must go to the reception. Oh, now, now, my dear, I'll be perfectly all right. Please don't worry. It's just a reception. I've been to a thousand receptions. I know. God keep you. God keep you. Are you tired, Mr. President? No, not at all. Let the people continue to come. Well, you can't shake hands with everyone at the exposition, you know. Well, perhaps not, but at least everyone will know that I tried to shake hands with all of them. I wish I could shake hands with every man, woman, and child in the nation. Here comes the line again. Mr. President, I can't tell you how proud I am to shake your hand. I didn't let my husband vote for you, but I am sure proud to shake your hand as if I had. I'm just as proud to shake yours, Beth. Well, thank you. Well, I must say, he's perfectly Well, my hand. son, I see your hand is bandaged. Were you injured in some way? Get a doctor as fast as you can. Get a doctor. John. John, don't let them hurt him. He didn't know. This is a poor misguided boy. Don't hurt him. Now, there'll be a doctor here in a moment. Please, please, don't try to talk. Don't let them hurt him, John. Don't do anything to him now. Take him out of here. The president doesn't want him hurt. Where in God's name is that doctor? John, be careful how you tell my wife. Oh, be careful. Mr. President, can you hear me? Hmm? Yes, I, I hear you. We're going to have to operate. Well, I'm in your hands. My wife? She's here. Is she all right? Yes, yes, she's all right. May I see her for just a moment before the operation? Well, speed is of the utmost importance, Mr. President. Just, just for a moment. Hmm? Very well. Nurse asked the president's wife to come in for a moment. I'll feel better about the operation then. Mr. President, how do you feel? Oh, not too badly. But I don't want you to worry. I'm not worrying. I have great faith in the doctors. You're in the best possible hands. You'll wait? I'll wait. We'll have to go ahead with the operation now. I'll be outside that door, my darling. However long it is, I'll be there. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think perhaps you'd better go in now. How is he? He's failing. Oh. Past few days he seemed so much better than we'd hoped. But he's failing. But I must go into it. Mr. President. Oh, my dear. All day I've been thinking of the years. And suddenly it occurred to me that never once have I said thank you, Mr. President. Thank you for all the things that I've remembered. Thank you for your love and your faith and your strength. Is it over then? No. Not as long as we have faith. Not as long as we have memories. Not while I live will it be over. Nor will it be over even then. Oh, I have loved you. I will love you forever. You have been all that a woman could be or should be. With you, I have found all the happiness a man can hope to find in a lifetime. It isn't easy to say goodbye, but it's God's way. His will not ours be done. You know, there was a hymn we used to sing. Do you recall it? Nearer, my God, to thee. Nearer to thee. E'en though be a cross. It's God's way. It's God's way. My dear. My dear. Good night. God be with you. Until we meet again. <laughs> Well, you've probably figured out by now who the president was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and you'll have the answer in just a moment. Tonight, the amazing Mr. Malone will be ready once more to match wits with any evil character who is unlucky enough to cross his path. John J. Malone, you know, is the famous lawyer whose sideline is tracking down murderers, professional or amateur, gang leaders, blackmailers, or international spies. Every case he tackles is different. Each one is packed with action and suspense. In short, all you connoisseurs of crime will be glued to your seats for 30 solid minutes. Those of you who are familiar with The Amazing Mr. Malone know why this series is a favorite with mystery fans. If you don't know him, you have a real treat coming. Gene Raymond plays the part of our intrepid sleuth. That's The Amazing Mr. Malone tonight. Now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. His funeral train left Buffalo, taking him on his last journey home. And some people who had loved him, 
wept as the train passed, and others began to sing the hymn that he had loved. Nearer my God to thee. They sang it in the station at Buffalo as the train moved slowly out of the station. They came from the villages and the towns all the way to Washington and then to Canton, Ohio. As they came, they sang. And the song reached like a hand clasp from heart to heart as the people stood together in solemn grief. It never died out once. Every mile of the way, the music could be heard as the people of the United States sang their president to his final sleep. And in the far-off Philippines, when the word reached them, they too joined in the worldwide grief for the man who had dared the criticism of the world in order to help them, President William McKinley. Be with us again next week, won't you, for another interesting story that happened in Washington a few years ago to Mr. President. Until then, goodbye. This program is produced and directed by Joe Graham. Edwin Arnold can currently be seen in the MGM picture, Annie, Get Your Gun. Heard in today's cast were Peggy Allenby, Carl Swenson, Eric Dressler, Kermit Murdoch, and your narrator, Jackson Beck. Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings. Today's story was based on incidents in the life of President William McKinley. Be sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting factual story of Mr. President. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.